one of the challenges that will arise out of the reopening is past practices are going to come back to haunt you. Hello, everybody. It's John here at Shop Talk, the podcast. We are so excited that you decided to join us today. And I just want to say thank you for all of you who have written us a wicked good five-star review. Thanks. It's been awesome. We've got like 60 of them already, and that's amazing. It helps other people find our podcast, and that's our intent, to spread as much information as possible. So thank you. We appreciate it. Oh, that was solid. There was a, that was yeah. a nice clap. Yeah. yeah, sounds like well, that must signify. Are we starting a podcast? It sounds like it's time to start a podcast. Yeah. So, hi everybody, welcome to the Shop Talk podcast, brought to you by One Two Four Go. I'm your co-host Chris Sullivan, as usual, sitting here with my great friend, drinking happily caffeinated John Palmieri, and we have an incredible guest today. Actually, somebody I've been looking forward to meeting forever. And but he's an old, you're like old cronies wicked, with this guy. A wicked great guest. Yeah, you guys jumped on screen together before we started to talk, and I I'm a, I felt like the third wheel. I yeah. mean, you know, I'm I'm gonna just say it. You know, I felt like the third wheel. I was gonna leave the room, and then I said, no, we've got a man up, do the podcast, and and uh, the gentleman that's sitting across the screen from us, Neil Dukoff, um, is a guy certainly worth sticking around for. Uh, Neil's been out there since I was a kid in the hair industry and before, and you know, I remember hearing about, I was just telling you this story, Neil, I remember hearing about you when I had hair, um, and you were, I want to say pilgriming, you oh, know, um, yeah, it, it is right. Well, you guys are from, you know, up in the, from north, yeah, that, that place right? where programs came. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but really pilgriming this, you know, ideology called team-based and it's one of those, you know, things that, um, Wait a minute, I gotta get my, it was the closest thing I got to my pilgrim hat. Nice hat. Wow, you look, I feel like it's- it's a shame this is a podcast because the audience would love that hat. Neil's got like a Abraham Lincoln top hat. Yeah, and let's just say he looked better. My father got married in that hat. He did? Aw. That's all I got left. Aw, that's amazing, that's amazing. But so you've been out there pilgriming, you know, the team-based pay movement, I'll call it, and- um, you know, one of the things that's just so difficult to do, and I just I, I give so much props to, is when the rest of the herd is moving in one direction, and you know, when you have the eyes to see that there's this other thing that works well for people that are willing and can give you a sustainable, financially successful, culturally enjoyable experience in your business, and you know, you you keep trudging through that road. When, when everybody else is yelling different messages, um, I just think it's awesome. And so um, I'm, I'm excited to listen, listen to your history, you know, catch up on what's been happening now. Obviously, we've got a lot of different discussions happening in the, in the um, time period that we're in. But I, but I think most of, you know, what's happening with you will continue to press on and you'll help salons sustain, grow be successful and happy. And so first of all, welcome, Neil. And uh, thanks for being, thanks for being here with us. Thank you, Chris. Good to see you, John. Thank you, sir. Same you are the only, you're the only guy that I know that after all these years still has all your original hair. Yep. Got it all. Yeah. yeah. I think I actually got a couple extra yeah. coming out of my ears. But, yeah. But yeah. you, you dye your beard now, right? <laughs> it's not my beard. It's the hair. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. got it. Got yeah. it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Jack Martin do your beard? You know, 
Can you get a foil in that? Um, <laughs> we digress. Mr. Uh, just a little bit. Mr. Dukoff. I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, we have a guest. We keep forgetting that there's other people on the other side of this podcast. It's incredible. Yeah, we only podcast because we like hanging out. It's incredible. You guys. Hey, come on. Come on. I, I want, I'm going for a bike ride after. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start here because my favorite place to start. Neil, you're actually a hairdresser. Tell us, give us the lowdown for those who don't know. Once upon a time, you did hair. You were behind the chair. Tell us the story. How'd that happen? How in the world did you become a hairdresser? Well, the short version, by the way. <laughs> the short version. <laughs> Got married in 1970, summer 1970. Uh, I was still in college. Um, I wanted to, I was, uh, started my junior year in college and there was just not the college I was going to, there just wasn't a lot of business coming in to, you know, I was a business major. So there weren't, weren't a lot of companies coming in looking to hire. And I was just antsy. I wanted to get out into the world. And uh, I decided in, I guess it was just uh, mid, just before midterms, first semester, junior year, because I figured why go through the aggravation. Right. I, I decided to leave school and I enrolled in beauty school and at Franklin Beauty School in Elizabeth, New Jersey. We won't even go there. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I went there because, you know, my mom, I was kind of pondering what I wanted to do. And my mom said, you know, why don't you think about hairdressing? And I said, you got to be kidding me. Come on. And she goes, well, c come with me to, to the salon I go to. And she was going to this really nice place. And you walk in and you know, a lot, you know, a lot of action and it was exciting, very busy place. Um, everyone seemed to be having a really cool time. I grew up in a dry cleaning business that had no air conditioning. Mm -hmm. So summertime. So one of my priorities for getting uh, a future career was air conditioning. <laughs> so this, this salon was air conditioned. Um, and I just thought the vibe was really cool. And, and I'm looking around and I said, you know, I could do this. So I rolled in beauty school and, uh, you know, was it nine months to get through there? And, you know, you get out of school and you, week before I got out of school, they bring us down to the musty basement to watch a movie that uh, Paul Mitchell did for Helene Curtis. And I'm watching this movie and I just spent nine months learning how to cut hair crooked. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. And they would tell me, you got to do like 15, 20, you know, washing sets a day when all I could do was think it takes me all morning to get the rollers in, put them under the dryer and I watch them all slide out. <laughs> so I'm screwed. <laughs> so I'm watching this, I'm watching this movie and, you know, Paul Mitchell's blunt cutting. And I go, wow. He's actually following a line. Mm -hmm. I relate to that. Anyway, he finishes the haircut um, and he takes out this brush that had bristles all the way around it. Mm -hmm. And then he had this blower thing and he started blowing hair dry and I'm going, oh my God, there's no rollers. And you know, that was 1970 and, and that was probably the beginning of one of the most exciting periods in the industry because it was the transition of uh, the World War II uh, parents uh, and the baby boomers uh, coming in. 
and baby boomers weren't going to the salon every week and they had long hair and they, they didn't want, they never inhaled that stuff. They, they only suggested they did. Uh, but <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it was, it was just a really cool time. So when I got out of school, I, I went to New York and I got into uh, some decent training there, uh, learned how to blunt cut, uh, found a job at the Glenby Company. Uh, at the time was the big department store chain. They just brought the Chadwicks over from England and they started training 10,000 hairdressers how to cut and blow dry hair. And I was very fortunate to be in there, uh, you know, at, at the beginning of all that. And uh, that was 1970, 1973. I opened up my first salon in Edison, New Jersey. Opened up a second one in 1975. Uh, I had a problem with the culture and, and how people were paid and what, you were, what, they, were, what they were being rewarded for. Now, let me let me ask you this question, because obviously we're, we're going to get deeper into this. But did you know already that that was a challenge and that I guess what I want to know is already you, you're fairly young. You've got two salons open and you're already found a disconnect between how people are being paid and performance. Yeah. You know, when, when I opened up at Glenby, I was paid 40 percent. Mm -hmm. So when I opened up my salon, I did what a lot of owners do. Sure. Half for them, half for me. Right. That's fair. Right. Well, I found out about six months into owning my own salon that the Glenby company was 10% smarter than me. Mm -hmm. You know, so you start out with half the money that's coming in, what you didn't, other than what you did with your own hands, um, was going right out the door in payroll, plus taxes and, and whatnot. And, you know, rents weren't terrible then, but, you know, we were doing you know, $12, $15 haircut and styles at the time. You know, if you were doing an $18 hair, if you were getting 20 or 25, you were like a rock star. Mm -hmm. um, but it was about people building followings and people getting rewarded for just what they did. Um, you know, teamwork was being nice to other people, but not a group of people coming together to grow a business, to to have a strong company that can take care of them uh, because they're taking care of the company. And, but the big piece from a financial standpoint, it was, I can't control a payroll. That's a percentage of service sales. I'm super intrigued by you catching on to that in the seventies, because I'm, I'm assuming, you know, the rent ratio, even though, you know, you were getting a lower priced haircut at the time. I mean, it hasn't, grown that much depending what market you're in right over the years and the fact that you were able to see that then um is honestly extraordinary and then start to ask those questions rather than i'll just get more people in you know so that's 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 awesome yeah you know and back then you know when i had my salons we opened as uh we opened up with redken mm -hmm. um you know, and I bought the hair analysis equipment, right. you know, you put the hair in a little rack and it stretches right. and screams yeah. till it breaks. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, but the, the Redken, the scientific approach, I mean, I thought all of that was cool. And, you know, it was a good theme to, to, to grow the salon around. And that was the beginning of retail and whatnot. Um, 
but at, at a Redken business seminar uh, called The Challenge of Success, and uh, Doug Cox is still, you know, a good dear friend of mine, uh, they would teach, you know, raise prices 20%. And, but it wasn't all commissionable. You know, you'd take this much to go yeah. to product costs and you take this much yeah. to go over here. And it, and it, but it was still mm -hmm. the same spin on commission. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd listen to that. And then, you, you know, you, you go back to it. And I, love, I actually got to speak uh, at, at the challenge of success for a couple of years. Um, but every year, you know, you go back and they'd have, okay, if you put the challenge to work, come to the middle aisle and tell us what, you know, and people would come up to it and they'd tell their challenge story. I went back and I put the challenge to work and I lost my whole staff. And then I rebuilt everything and now it's great. Next person, I went in and I did that thing and I lost my whole staff and then, and I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, there's, there's a theme here. <laughs> yeah. they, go back, they go back, they, they raise prices and, and, and doesn't, doesn't all go to you know to the to the service providers and and then they quit and they take all the business and they yeah. they get to start over again um so you know i started looking at at hourly pay uh we didn't call it team-based pay until uh strategies probably around 97 uh we didn't know what it was it was just sure. not commission um and i played around with some math and I converted all my people to an hourly rate. Um, I remember having the staff meeting. I had both salons together and, you know, went through the, the thing. And I had my financials there. You're like, well, you know, hey, look, you can't make money. There's, no stuff and there's nothing left at the bottom. So we got to make a change. And, yeah, and, and I, all the crazy stuff that, you, you know, that, that you do when you don't really know what the hell you're doing at the time. But I was able to get my company away from commission. So when sales went up, even just a little bit, the payroll percent would come down, but nobody, nobody lost anything. And then I was able to come back and say, hey, sales have grown and you've done a good job and you've done a good job or everybody did a good job and you're getting raises. Even if they were book solid and, you know, which, you know, what do you do with someone who's book solid? Raise their prices, get them, get them an assistant, double, triple, quadruple book them. Um, which is all just trying to spin more money through one pair of hands. And, and I've always thought squeezing more clients in is it, it compromises the experience that, that we all want to give the client. So there was a financial piece. There was a cultural piece. There's a customer service piece. Um, and, and then, uh, there's like that whole staff retention piece, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you retain people when what happens when they're book solid, they have a waiting list. Um, maybe they can't raise their prices that much more. And if there's a waiting list and you still have hours available for sale and other chairs, but the clients can't go there because they're this person's client or they're loyal to the name at the top of the column that just, that bothered me. We've got people waiting to spend money and I got people on payroll waiting for something to do. It doesn't make sense. Um, so how, so you noticed all this stuff going on with your own company, right? Um, obviously you spent a lot of time thinking about it. How did you transition from, you know, I've got these two salons yet I see, and I'm putting words in your mouth and forgive me if I, mm -hmm. if, if they're wrong words, um, there's more I can do for the industry 
than just my salons. I, I want to take what I'm learning and share it. What, how did that leap happen? Um, well, in, I guess it was 1977, 78, you know, I was traveling with, with, uh, Redken doing their, their challenge of success and, you know, spoke at a couple of their, their Redken business Academy classes. And whenever I would bring up how you pay, cause that's always a favorite question owners have for other owners. Right. Hey, yeah. How do you pay? How much commission? Yeah. How do you how, pay? How and much you pay? Yeah. And, and, but, but as long as, as long as you're doing something like they're doing, they're happy. Cool. Yeah. But when you go, well, well I, we don't pay commission, you know, we, we pay an hourly rate and we have bonus and, and there's certain criteria that and you have to remember too, back then getting any type of critical number was really hard because we didn't have a computers back then. Um, so, but when I would describe what I'm doing in my company, people wanted to know more about it. There were people just like there are today. Mm. They won't work if they don't get a piece. They right. won't be motivated and all the other stuff. Um, and, and I, and I started, I actually, I started my first coaching business in 98, not 98, geez, 78. Sorry. There's all these yeah, decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was 1978. I started my first coaching company while I still owned my salons. Uh, wound up selling the salons the end of uh, uh, 1978. Uh, we moved to California and hooked up with uh, some ex-Redkin executives and their chemists. We started a product company. Uh, we couldn't get it off the ground. There was a recession going on. Cars are waiting online uh, for gas. Uh, bad time to start a company. Come back to Connecticut from New Jersey. We moved to California, California to Connecticut. And I worked for a, a company here called uh, Cutter Magazine. I want to I want to jump in for a second here, just because I, what I love what I love about this part of your story is you started a business unforeseeably this recession hit this economic downturn change and um you know i, I don't want to go there yet mm -hmm. but if you haven't experienced that a few times around that's what we're sitting in right now and it can look in the moment like it's i mean i'm, I'm guessing you got out there you know and it wasn't as easy as it didn't we didn't get it off the ground like you know i'm guessing you you were putting some hard you know, work, blood, sweat, and tears into it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can look like the only thing, um, you know, and I know people are walking through that at the moment. So I, I just love to point it out when somebody has a big challenge and it's like, we've long since overcome that. We had to step over it. It wasn't the easiest thing, but, you know, we, we do it. Yeah, you know, and, you know, back, <laughs> uh, if, we, if we kind of fast forward to 2000, seven or eight, something like that. Uh, I got to be a judge at the uh, uh, Global Salon Business Awards. And I was able to do that twice. And as a judge, you go out to California and you do all the judging at the Anderson School of Business. And then Paula Kent Meehan uh, from Redken, we, she'd have all the judges over her house. So second time I'm there, and I remember going to the house when I was a salon owner, and it was Elvis Presley's old house, and you know, you're know you in Hollywood and Beverly Hills and all that stuff. Uh, but I remember sitting, I got to sit next to Paula, and it was an honor. 
and <laughs> and I go, you know, Paula, you know, back in 1978-79, I started a product company with your old chemist and uh, a couple other guys that worked for you. And uh, and I said, we opened up a, a distributor in Alaska. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days after this, we open up this distributor and he takes on our product line. We get a call from the distributor saying, I got to send everything back. What? Why? Well, I, I, I just have to send everything back. Well, what we found out was Paula said, do you like Redken? Yes, I do. Then you don't want to, then you don't want to carry that. Yes, you're right. I don't. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And I, and I, and I said to Paula, man, you were tough back then. She looks at me, picks up her glass of wine and she goes, I'm still tough. I'm still tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 I mean, she, she was a remarkable lady. Um, I probably wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing right now if, uh, you know, if it wasn't for that start back, you know, with the challenge of success and, right. you know, seeing that, you know, getting up and being a public speaker, that's, that's when all of that began. Um, but the, you know, going, going back to those, those early days, uh, Cutter Magazine, you know, I, I went there as editor, we moved to Connecticut, we've been in Connecticut for 38, 39 years. Um, and one of the things is, as editor of Cutter, I, I was able to teach the stuff that I wanted to teach. So we started teaching this thing called, we called it salary. We still didn't know what to call the thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I got to go out and start doing seminars on this salary program. And there are people that listen. And there are people that don't listen. There are people that listen and learn and follow through and reap the benefits and grow great companies. And there are people that go in and cherry pick and go back and blow their businesses up uh, and, and say it doesn't work. I mean, it's the thing that, that I learned once I started teaching it to people was that it wasn't a pay system, it was a business model that had many different moving parts. Commission, and, and I'm saying this with respect to everyone, um, com commission makes owners lazy. And, I, and I'm saying, again, with the utmost respect. And the reason I say that is all of the, the motivation and the drive and the you grow, and if you're hungry, you know, you'll grow your business. Commission puts a lot of that on the back of the employee. I want to make more money. Well, if you just retain some clients and go out and hustle, you know, and sell some retail and upsell, you can make more money. You know, how about this? Do a haircut and a blow dry in 35 or, or 30 or 45 minutes instead of a freaking hour and a half. <laughs> you know, do that and you'll make more money. So, you know, but it, it, it always comes back to the employee. But it's also track request. I mean, that industry has been doing it forever. We, years ago, we started telling owners, stop tracking requests. Request is not a growth indicator. It, it's, a, it's a following indicator. It's saying, you know, Chris, you, you get, I'm going to give you a couple of clients and you get them to come back to you. And the more requests you have, then I can start giving new business to other people. So it's like, get, get the plate spinning. All right. And, but, but 
what what always puzzled me was what happens when when Chris is so busy, he's got a waiting list, he's looking for his what's next. All I can do is say double book or raise your prices because I can't give you more commission. There's no commission to give. You know, the margins are gone. Right. And and then Chris goes, well, you know, if I can't, you know, I'm going to go my own place or I'm going to, I got some guy down the street who'll pay me 60% because he yeah, never did he's the He's starving. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do the math. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, I started to learn that team-based pay, which is what we started calling it in 97, is it, it's a business model. It, it's, it's about building a culture, mm-hmm. you know, because all owners go, owners go, and, and I'll, I'll use the extreme. I always love when you're a, a booth renter salon, go, we're a team. You know, and I, I get what they're saying and I respect it. Uh, when a commission site, you know, we're a team. Yes, you can be a team. Yes, a good leader can create a good culture, but the problem is the pay is still dependent on what this person's hands do, period. Their pay has, you know, if this chair is empty and that chair is empty and that person down there had a couple foil colors, no show, I'm busy. I'm making my money. And you got other people sitting around with nothing to do. And there's, there's no ownership in the fact that your teammates are not busy. So I, I got a couple of, I want to ask you a couple of questions because, um, what I do know is that this podcast is going to turn into three because you've got <laughs> there's such, a lot here, right? There's, there's, a lot there's here. so much information and I love that. So, you know, we've been talking about team-based pay or whatever we were calling it at the time. And, you know, I know this is silly, but play with me for a minute because I know a lot of people have this thought. So this team-based pay thing, that's where everybody gets paid the same, right? Oh, absolutely. They get, they get paid. They all get $10 an hour. Right. Uh, and you, you buy them a sandwich for lunch and they work really hard for it. Don't turn the podcast off. Everybody Neil's joking. (laughs) I'm looking at his face right now. Do not shut this podcast off. So give us a synopsis. No, here's the, cause you've heard that, right? Oh, we, we hear that. We're still hearing that. Yeah. I don't want to, everyone gets paid the same in in a commission salon. No one's paid the same because it's a piece of what they do. Right. So if you do a conversion to team-based pay, then you take, what did they make? In the, this is a simple form. You, here, here's what you made in the last six months. Here's your average paycheck. Here's how many hours you work a week, scheduled hours, not physically working behind the chair. Because if you're sitting around a couple hours a day with nothing to do, you're making a lower hourly rate on commission while you're doing nothing. And that's what a lot of people, they think they're only making money when their hands are busy. No, whatever you made that week. It's a a cumulative. It's it's for all the, all the hours that you worked. Right. Right. So when we do a conversion, the new starting pay, their new hourly rate is a reflection. We do a little bit of massage to it, but it's, it's a reflection of what they were making on commission. We, we, and we give it a little tiny bump. I'm not getting into the math because that'll, Right. But we give it their new their new hourly rate times hours per pay period is going to be a little bit better than what they were making on commission, even if they were book solid, 
There are a lot of times we find conversions where people aren't even making minimum wage and we got to get them up to minimum wage, but they're all, they're all paid for their level of contribution from your old system. We're just going to have some new criteria moving forward. All right, Neil. So, all right. So I'm not paying everybody the same, but if I put them on this hourly rate, they're, they're not going to be motivated anymore. They're not. Why would they work any harder? All right. And you've been around me long enough that you know my response <laughs> is that my response is how many owners of commission salons sit around going, when the hell are they going to figure it out? You know, when, you know, you have the opportunity, you're getting X percent of whatever you bring in, just show up for work and pre-book when they leave upsell, sell some retail, you have an opportunity to make money. And commission, the fallacy of commission is that it's a motivator. It motivates some people. It does not motivate most people. Yeah. And that's, and you know, it's, it's funny because being a, you know, when I'm behind the chair, I mean, as, as a human being, I, you know, my motivations are, I've learned a lot about other people and helping, helping them out, making them, making them feel good. But when I'm behind the chair, I'm a pretty financially driven guy, you know, like that. And, but man, I pounded my head against the wall, not, not even just as an owner, but as a hairstylist, when I would see my friend sitting next to me and in my mind going, WTF, what does she not get? Like, if you say this, 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 and that, and do this, 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 and that, sky's the limit. You, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can kill it. Um, and it took a long time to realize the, what, the fact that what you just said, you know, what is true. And to kind of realize that not everybody's motivated by the same thing. And the majority of people, and I could say this COVID thing has really pulled, pulled this out. <laughs> I mean, money is such not a motivator for people. It's incredible coming from a you know greedy financially driven guy uh you know, here here's here's a couple of points the and i think this will help people better understand it doesn't matter what your commission rate is because however you're paying and you know you buy a computer system and you go into the 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 pay piece and every piece of software has ten thousand commission schemes from sliding scales to God knows what. And, but at the end of the day, payroll is a, is a percentage on your profit and loss statement. All the high commission, all the low commission, it's a percentage on your profit and loss statement. And for all the years we've been doing this, med spas are a little different, but for salons and spas, that service payroll for hands that do the work needs to live between 30 and 35% of gross revenue, which is service plus retail, right? And so we're not saying, because usually if, if we put that in writing, people go, I'd never pay 30, 35% commission. That's not what I said. I said, payroll on your profit and loss statement is 30 to 35%. So if you have a million dollar company, your service payroll should be between 300 and $350,000. Now, take it one step further. Chris is working behind the chair. He's financially motivated. That's you. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and your book solid can't squeeze any more in. 
if you wanted to work nine days a week, you'd be busy. But you're, but you're making as much as you can on the current plan, unless there's a price increase or the owner loses his or her mind and raises your commission. For every additional $100,000 that the business can generate in revenue, there's another thirty dollars to $35,000 available for payroll. If we don't have to hire anyone, we may have to. Maybe we're going to hire someone for eighteen thousand or twenty or twenty-four thousand or something. But if we took that part of that thirty thousand and said, "Chris, man, you've been a team player. You set the tone in the company. You bust your ass for us every single day. You help out the rest of the team in between. You know, here's a raise, whatever the raise is, and I'm going to give you a raise, and that is a." first time you're getting a raise when for doing a great job, but you, your hands couldn't bring in any more because you finally realize that your future earning potential lies in all the other hours that are available for sale on the appointment book that maybe you can help fill a few just by recommending. And that's when owners, the light bulbs start to go off that, wow, now if I attach productivity rate to this, and, and I get the team driving revenue and taking responsibility for all the hours that are available for sale. Every time we do another $100,000, there's money available for payroll. Hire new, give existing people raises. And if we don't have to hire, we can pay our current people better. It all depends on where your productivity rate is. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. Where I want to go with this next is, you know, one of the things that you spend a lot of time on is teaching financial literacy. Um, that's really important um, to strategies and its culture. And, you know, I think we, you know, Chris and I have done a bunch of podcasts. We've seen all the social media stuff that's out there. There's lots of other folks who have done some amazing podcasts, some great video content. And one of the things I think the industry is spending a lot of time on right now, and rightly so, is sanitation. How do we open back up? How do we keep our environments safe for our employees? How do we make our environments safe for our customers? How do we feel, how do we get people to feel comfortable? How do we get people to trust us? And I think that's a valued place for us to spend some time. Having said that, I also think we need to start thinking about what it looks like on the other side of that, right? So, all right, we're sanitized. We have protocols. You know, we got people coming in to get their hair done. Our staff is comfortable with what we've done. Our customers are comfortable with what we've done. Maybe I got some PPP money to carry me through, you know? Um, yet, if I'm thinking out loud, I don't know that you know, there's enough planning for what happens after this, this initial startup comes next. What are your thoughts about that? You know, where do you, you know, where do you think after the sanitation piece is nailed down and we're opened and we brought those protocols set up, where do you think our attention needs to go next? Neil, while you're pondering that question, your strategies.com strategies.com strategies.com. Uh, Neil's been doing the digital thing long before a lot of other people have jumped on the board. So I know there's a lot of content there. And if you're interested in listening to this conversation, you want to find out more. I don't want you to have to wait to the end. So strategies.com is where you can connect with Neil. A lot of our videos that we've been doing the town hall meetings uh, for the last uh, yesterday, we did our eighth uh, in a row are all on 
uh, facebook.com slash strategies. And it's awesome. our it's our business page. So we got all the videos up there so people can find them. Awesome. Um, so the what's next? People have been obsessing over what are the rules? What are the rules? I mean, what are the protocols? Right. Oh my God, you know? And I'm going to start here. If you went into this crisis in a not great financial position and you reopen with the same business model and methodology that you were using before, how is it going to be any better? In fact, if you have to split shift for social distancing, if you need to ex extend the, the amount of time, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you need to add to the service for the sanitizing, um, if maybe you can't bring all your people back. Uh, in Connecticut, we can open on May 20th, but offices, salons, you name it, 50% capacity. Hey, how do you pay 100% of your expenses at 50% capacity? So one of the challenges that will arise out of the reopening is past practices are going to come back to haunt you. Just because you open up again and you're sanitized, mm -hmm. and you're practicing social distancing, the, the foundation that your company sits on that supports it financially, culturally, uh, brand, your brand that you're putting out there, if that isn't rock solid, then you're just reopening and doing the definition of insanity. We're going to open, we're going to get busy again, and everything's going to be okay. And it's, it, you're going to hit a wall, especially if you've got a PPP loan, because six months after you get the most amazing loan, it's like borrowing money from grandma. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, 1% interest just, just because you don't have to pay anything for six months. No guarantee, no collateral. Ah, you're, you're my grandkid. Here's some money. Here's some money. Here's some money. Um, Grandma but comes if, knocking back at your but, door. But, you know, but, but then there's all these cockamamie rules that are, you know, when's the eight weeks start? And what if you don't have the same number of employees? What if the employees say, hey, this unemployment's a great job. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I'm, I'm doing better on unemployment than coming back and working for you. So all of, all of that stuff is, is going to come back in. And if you don't have a financial plan, it's strategies, we call it a cash flow plan which is projecting revenue each month, and it's uh, projecting what your expenses are gonna be. And now with PPP loans and the uh, disaster loans, you know, disaster loans easier because they got 30 years uh, to pay it back. And I don't think, uh, no payments for a year, but how are you going to handle the money? Because from what I've seen from coaching salons for, I don't know what the hell, 40, 50 years, you know, I think salons and spas may not be that great at managing money. And now you're getting these big chunks of money coming in and you're reopening your business and you're sanitized. You know, one good thing to come out of this is a lot of salons are going to be They're going to be clean. Yeah. going to be spotless, sparkling clean. Yep. Yeah. They've never been yeah. so clean. Like a Mr. Yeah. Clean commercial. Yeah. Um,
you know, but it, it's the past behaviors are going to come back. Financial literacy, man, if you look at your profit and loss statement and you don't know what some of those numbers are, shame on you. If you look at a balance sheet and you think it's some accounting trick that assets equals liabilities plus equity, how do they do that? There's a trick in here to get at the balance. <laughs> you know, if you don't know what that stuff means and you're, you're at a disadvantage. And then if you don't have the cash flow plan that is like your GPS to, to say, how do I get from here to here? You never get it accurate. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's a plan. Um, if you're close, you did great. If you nail it, you're amazing. Take a picture of it. Maybe it'll happen again sometime. But there's a there's also there's the compensation piece. If your payroll was too high going into this, when you come out of it, it's going to be high again. And you know, for years I've been saying, you know, how many of you owners out there would make more money if you were an employee in your own salon? paying yourself the way you pay people and you always get, Oh, you know, and, and, and you know, and I try and do that because you got to get inside and you got to touch the emotions to smack them in the head to say the model doesn't work. And if, and if your model is about, I'm not hiring and training anyone new because they're just going to leave. Oh, let's put that out there in your advertising. Do you train your people? No, I'm not going to train them. They're going to leave. Come on in. We'll do your hair now. Yeah. yeah. Want, a, want a pre book? You know, um, having been around you long enough, one of the things that I know, and I'm touching base on this purposely, one of the things that I know is salon owners, um, managers, have such a struggle with that cash flow plan. The whole idea of having to plan it out. What are my revenues? You know, what are my expenses? Why do I have to fill this dang thing out for anyways? It's a pain in the butt. And then even if I do manage to fill it out because you made me, I'm never going to look at it again, you know. And I, I know, you know, there's still that struggle of trying to let people know that this is important. Um, for the listeners who haven't gotten there yet, tell me why. I mean, you told me this is important, but why is this so dang important? Why do you beat me up over making sure I do this? Why do you? Because if you're in a, if you're in an area that you don't know and you've got to get to a destination, you can say, I'm not going to say, Hey Siri, you know, <laughs> I got to, I got, cause all my stuff's going to go off. It all uh, but you know, I gotta, I gotta get to whatever address, take me there. Today's the 14th of May, it's still May, right? Today's the 14th of May. You should be halfway to goal. Tomorrow's the 15th. You should be about hit. Well, let's assume we, we you sure. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we had yeah. a course. Yeah. yeah. In a perfect world, your yeah. business would actually in, be up in there. May 2021. Yeah, in <laughs> May 2021. You know, but if it's the middle of the month, you should be halfway to goal. And if you don't know where you are, you're flying financially blind. And when you say to your staff, hey, we need to do more, and they go, how much more? And you go, a lot more. It's because you don't know what the goal is. And it's not just going to be okay in 2020, 2020, because it hasn't been good for the last 40, 50 years with 
how many salons just just crumbled because they couldn't figure out the financial piece. Right. You know, there's a there a plan and building the plan, and it's not. I don't know how to project. What's your rent? Three thousand a month. Is it going to be three thousand next month? Yes. Put that down. <laughs> <laughs> man you you know you've the whole time you've been reminding me of you know our industry friend but you know longtime friend michael cole like just you know in some of the things but that there was like i feel like i was talking to his your doppelganger you know for a minute there it's you know but but it's it's that yeah that discipline so so here we'll we'll bring this conversation we're going to skip a few decades yeah um so we we when this crisis started and the shutdowns began, our Facebook page, uh, the company page, uh, the discussion boards and whatnot, we had clients that we have not heard from yeah, in ever. I yeah. mean, strategies were, were uh, I guess the, this September will be uh, 27 years old. Um, but we're hearing from people that are saying, I want to thank you for what you taught me years ago because going into this, closing my business for I don't know how long, we're in good shape. And they had cash reserves. What's a cash reserve? Three to four months operating expenses that you have in reserve in case this shit hits the fan. And man, did a big load get shipped in to a very big fan and we had customer and I, i'm 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 saying this because i'm proud uh when when customers go i didn't need the ppp money but i qualify for it, yeah, and, okay. it and and it's sure gonna help so i'm going for it yeah. you know but when when they know that they're financially in a good place and they'll be able to reopen and bring their team back and the cultures are better that you know we're not finding a lot of our customers with employees that don't want to return it's a different it creates a different culture but it has to be built on a financial uh reality that allows your business to be sustainable and you can't create a sustainable business if you don't have a guidance system on what do we need to do in revenue and where do we need to hold our expenses and where the heck are we going how are we going to make money and owners you deserve you deserve a return on your investment you deserve to get paid as an employee. You deserve to earn some profit, but you also know you're going to have to reinvest profit. Hey, there probably won't be profit this year, mm. but you'll be in good shape. People need to embrace the financial literacy and work with a cash flow plan. I'm going to something. I, I want to get it in there. We yeah. we put out uh, when this crisis first started a 13. This is Dennis's idea. Mm -hmm. Of course it was. If anything during the spreadsheet, it was yeah. That. So he goes, "Hey, our command center. We have our our own coaching platform uh, that houses all our spreadsheets and client projects and a whole bunch of stuff." And Dennis wanted to build this spreadsheet, take our regular cash flow plan month by month, but turn it into thirteen weeks. So, so you can plan it out. This is what's going to happen. Are we going to have revenue? No, we're closed. Okay, but what expenses are you going to have? 
So you can really break it down to simple. And I said, that's great, but I need you to make a really simple 13 week plan. And we're going to, we're going to launch a site that people can go to and build their own cash flow plans. So if you go to recovery.strategiescoaching.com, when you first go there, you'll, you'll be at a, a sign-in page, a login page, and right under the username and password, it says not registered yet. Yeah. Click the link, follow the instructions, you'll get a username, you'll pick a password, and when you get into the site, there are two videos on the home page that you have to watch so you know how to create two spreadsheets. One is a 13-week uh, cash flow plan, and another one is how to, how to calculate your cost per hour during this crisis and add in any additional costs you think you're going to have or potential fewer hours for sale to make sure that you're charging the right price that can still sustain profit. Man, there are owners opening up after this uh, closure that that are taking on more costs, may not have as many employees. And I, I get it when they say, I don't, I don't want to hit my clients with a price increase right now. You know, it makes sense. This isn't to take advantage to anyone. You just, your business just took a broadside. Mm -hmm. And it's taken on water and you need five bucks more, six bucks more uh, per visit, whatever the number is. And, and it's not a, a, a surcharge because a surcharge, will, then people think it'll go away at the end of this. You know, we had to raise our prices. How come? <laughs> because, because of this. Right. You know, because, because we're wearing masks and we got oxygen tanks on. Yeah. And you had to wait outside before you, we let you in and we spray our salon down every 15 minutes. So there, there's, there, there's financial realities that, that owners need to address. And, and that's what we've been working hard on in our coaching and the, the information we've been putting out there complimentary to people in our, in our town hall meetings and creating this website that I think we had 13, 1400 people that signed up for the, uh, the free spreadsheets. Make as many spreadsheets as you want, but you can only work on them in that site. Why? Because if we gave you an Excel file, we'd be getting phone calls. The formula broke. It's not there anymore. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And we're not fixing spreadsheets. Yeah. Nope. Man, I'll tell you, I can't, I mean, I'm like looking at the time and we've blown through an hour and, and, you know, it's interesting because I, I think we, I think we not, we, we got most of your notches, but you and I usually talk a lot more. Neil, I think you shamed us in the beginning when we were having too much fun and then, and then we started to sit down. We got captivated. Um, and I know, you know, if I'm the listener sitting in my car and, I, you know, I'm, I'm an owner or interested in owning a salon, I just got a wealth of knowledge you dropped know, on me. I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I think this is the first podcast where the person we interviewed actually talked more than we did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, unless we had a meditative person right, on, and that yeah. was different. We that were, you count. know, we were meditating. We were meditating. Because we're still talking. You had someone on that said, let's meditate for an hour? Absolutely. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic. Neil, we, I wore a robe the whole bit. We'll go through the breathing exercises with you right after That's the podcast. That's right. That's right. Okay, great. Um, 
so, you know, I mean, just kind of taking a look at the time here, I'm, I know I'm taking away a ton. John, man, a lot, a lot here today. Yeah, there's so much here. And, and to tell you the truth, I think I'll just be redundant to sit here and kind of review it like I normally do. Yeah. Um, and I've known Neil for forever. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is always a good opportunity. for, And I've said this to you before, but I'm going to say it again because I never think I say it enough. I want to say thank you. Um, you know, I want to thank you for all that you did with helping me grow my company you know, everything you've done for the industry as a whole. Um, and, you know, there are so many people, like all those phone calls you got, you know, at the close down from all those people who said, you know what, everything you taught me, and you may not have heard from me from 10 years, but everything you taught me prepared me for this moment in time. So for myself and for those people, thank you. You're welcome. It, yeah. it's, been, it's been an honor to serve. It's been a hell of a battle. It's a it's battle, battle, man. It's a battle. It, it, so you know, it, it is a battle because you know you're going up against traditional thinking. Um, you know, team-based pay. I, I understand it's different, uh, and I appreciate when someone goes, you know, I don't believe in team-based pay because because it gives me a chance to say, oh, good, it's not a religion, it's a pay program. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But. Um, Every owner needs to look at it. Maybe it doesn't fit. I think it does, but it may not fit you now. But you, a salon, spa, barbershop, nails, lashes, med spa, you have to be able to control your payroll, especially in times like these where costs are going to go sideways. Right. And, and, you, and all you can do on commission is try and maneuver with the money that's left over after service providers are paid. Not, and, I, and service should, you know, anyone who does a service should be paid the best that your company can afford, but not to the point where it, it financially uh, devastates the company or leaves the company without sufficient operating uh, cash and capital uh, to provide a future. For people. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, you know, as a testimonial, um, and I, you know, I mean, I've educated, traveled the, you know, the world, and blah blah blah. Everybody knows that. Um, anytime I ever walked into a strategy salon, and I was always, in many of them, I was surprised because, um, you know, they were they were it was a really hip place. You know, I mean, you got a lot of really groovy people that take on the system. Um, but they always had a, they always had a health and well-being that you could feel in the room, you know, they, they felt taken care of. And so, so that's awesome. Anything you feel like we're leaving on the table, Neil? Only thing that's on the table, let's just say what we're going to take one more bite. Uh, it's still about leadership. Financials. If, you know, if you don't like numbers too bad, get over it. Uh, you got to understand what the numbers are telling you. Uh, if you're paying commission and it's hard to put money on the bottom line and cover increased operating expenses, you, you got to change something. And you try and put in a product cost deduction, that's a pay conversion. And I've seen more people blow up their companies because you increase the price and no, no, you're still getting your same amount. You know, we just took something off the top before. No, 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 no. If I do 50% of the whole thing, I'm getting screwed. I'm out of here. 
So I've seen more people have issues, you know, trying to do that. And it's too simplistic. And if you don't have a cash flow plan, the price, the product charge that you created, with all due respect, you're not good enough at managing money to get that little bit to make it to the bottom line. You need more horsepower and you need a pay program that rewards people on overall performance. Why pay someone top commission if they have a 20% first-time client retention rate? Why pay someone top commission when they don't want anything in the world to do with your, your retail business? God forbid they recommend anything. You know, John, you know my stories. How come I didn't get a raise? Well, we looked at your first time retention rate and <laughs> we want a rebate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but just, just all this stuff, you know, owners, owners need to find a better way to run their business. Uh, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing for over 26 years if it wasn't working. Right. Um, we were having a hell of a year up until February 15th. Right. Um, and, you know, just like everyone else, but, you know, my, my company was in a good position going into this. Um, we have to wait for everyone to open so we can get back to where we were. Right. But man, you know, it's, we practice what we preach and we work really hard to coach owners to, uh, to grow their companies and to understand what really makes their company work. We're, we push really hard for leadership and, and transparency and open communication and, you know, everyone pushing and pulling in the same direction. Um, it's a hell of a way to run a company and and it gets us away from all the the all the stuff that i wish would stay before february 15th 2020. Sure. Yeah. neil thank you so much man that was that was awesome yeah that was awesome every time we have one of these conversations i walk away with a little bit more than i knew before i came in and i love that about these podcasts yeah it's amazing uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand, it's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world, helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in ours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.